Hi, my name's Renette Mitchell and I am delighted to review Making March, the latest book by fellow Australian author Hayley Walsh. I just can't imagine any woman of virtually any age not loving this book. It's a hoot. We can all relate to the main character, Kate, and the trials and tribulations she goes through after she turns 40 on the 1st of February and has doubts about making it to March. Been there, done that, but not quite like Kate. Just when you think things couldn't get any worse, they do. Hayley Walsh is a gifted writer with a real talent for a wonderful turn of phrase. Her characters are real, we all know at least a couple of them, and we can all connect with some of the situations her main character becomes involved in. Who of us women hasn't tried to lose weight? Who of us women hasn't been involved in some way or other in a wedding party from hell? Who of us women hasn't been through a tough time with a teenage daughter? But Hayley makes us laugh about it. Making March is a great read if you're feeling good about life. An even better read if you're feeling hard done by. And a must read to find out if Kate makes it to March. I can't wait for Hayley's next book. Once upon a time, welcome to Australian Book Lovers, your destination for imagination. A big warm welcome to everyone and a huge thank you for joining us once again for the Australian Book Lovers podcast. Our mission, as always, is to bring fabulous Australian and Indigenous literature that spans a whole range of genres to book lovers all around the globe, as well as fantastic resources and information for passionate authors looking to write their next bestseller. I am Darren Kazanko, science fiction and horror author, reader, and one of your hosts and co-founders of Australian Book Lovers, coming to you today from corner country, perhaps, perhaps sorry, should I say, but perhaps very soon, depending on when the borders open, possibly yes. <laughs> a duo at, at the uh, Wurundjeri Wurrung country, if yeah. I pronounce that right. Probably <laughs> no, not, good. but uh, there we are. And... and I am Veronica Strachan, a.k.a. V.E. Patton fantasy, memoir and picture book writer, reader and your other co-founder and host for today. Yes. Oh, and, today... and coming to you, as <laughs> oh, <yes>. Darren said, <laughs> from Wurundjeri, from Wurrung country. Ah, there you said it much <laughs> much more elegantly and professional than I did. <laughs> but yes, uh, who knows, there may be a uh, actual recording in the same room in the near future as, it, uh, as it we would move be forward amazing. to, I'm not going to say normality, but let's just say uh, back to one country. No. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and episode thirty-six. Thirty-six is a good number. It's three dozen. It's two eighteens. It's four nines. There's lots. You know, six is twice of three. It's a great number. Well, I mean, three is <laughs> three is a lucky number for me. But you're right. Thirty-six is a lucky number. And I thought I might start looking into the numbers as we move forward uh, yeah. with the podcast because the beautiful thing about numbers is each one is going to be its own unique element or number. Yes. So yep. now. I guess uh, a couple of little things I saw about the number 36, which I thought was quite interesting. Okay. One, that Jewish tradition holds that the number 36 has had special significance since the beginning of time. Right. According to the Midrash, the light created by God on the first day of creation shone for exactly 36 hours. Oh. It was replaced by the light of the sun that was created on the fourth day. 
So there we go, something a little bit different there. There you go. But not only that, when it comes to angels, and yes, somehow down the rabbit hole, I came to angel numbers. So I don't know, maybe I'll put some cosmic sounds in this part. But the number 36, what does it mean? The angel number 36 is made of the energies of the numbers three and six. Hmm. Ah. Interesting observation there. Yes. <laughs> the, the, the number <laughs> six is a number which signifies joy and optimism, creativity, inspiration, communication, compassion, sociability, speech, increase, spontaneity, skills, self-expression, enthusiasm, expansion, etc. The number three is also the number of the ascended masters and the angelic realm. Not sure exactly what that means, but it sounds pretty cool. (laughs) The number six is a number which signifies unconditional love, harmony and balance, family and home, gratitude, helping others, selflessness, responsibility, humanitarianism, compromise, self-sacrifice, material needs, creativity and enthusiasm. So, welcome to episode 36. (laughs) I'll never say I like a number ever again. We might spend the whole whole session on numerology. I don't know. 37 Mm. could be interesting. 37 is a much more odd number. (laughs) Ha ha. No pun intended. Well, 3 and 7 is 10, 10 is 1 and 0, it's a binary code, maybe there's a hidden meeting ready to kick <laughs> off, maybe it's a key to some software algorithm that mm. will uh, erupt the new, the dawn of a new age, but I doubt it. It just means yeah. we'll have to put a little bit of effort in to this yeah. one and, and then 37, but uh, no, welcome to episode 36 and thank you everyone for joining us today. And, Indeed. Uh, yes, I think a very special guest that you, you had the honour of interviewing for this one. Look, I did. It was just brilliant to chat with uh, Anna Waitley. Anna is a, an Australian writer, of course, and one of the original members of the 6am Writers Group. And I'll talk a little bit more about as it comes to her interview. But what I really loved reading about her first novel, her debut novel, which is called Peter Liars Rating Normal, is that it's about a girl who is neurodivergent. So that creates its own interest, but it also is really significant that Anna is writing from an own voices point of view. And I think that own voices is something that is we've talked about before, but it's a term that was coined by YA author Kareen uh, I'm going to say Duvis, which is D-U-Y-V-I-S. And she did it to refer to books about characters from underrepresented or marginalised groups in which the author shares the same identity. So it, basically the writing is inspired by the author's own experience and it's written from their perspective. So it started at a twi- started as a Twitter hashtag. Don't we love the writing community on Twitter? Um, and it was supposed to make it easier to find own voices books in kids' literature. So... The other side of that is to remember that while it's a good representation of a group, it's also not entirely representative of everyone that identifies within that particular group. Anna has an alphabet of things that she uh, lives with, I guess, is the is the way to look at it. But it's also something really important following own voices, authors and even following own voices, um, people on Twitter, is that they don't necessarily want to be fixed. It's not seen as something, and this is for many people who live with a disability, is that don't try and fix me, but let me live in the world as I am and have the world be more accommodating to the diversity 
of people, which is a really interesting mm. way to go. Mm. Yeah, you're right. And I think if, you know, because if for whatever reason, life in general in the past and even today in the present um, causes people with, let's, let's say, with differences that may not be familiar to uh, the majority of people, if they want to then feel like they need to hide their differences or perhaps feel like those differences are a hindrance in some way, yep. it also, I guess it follows that it makes it more difficult to explore those differences in yourself. And maybe, yeah. and in which case, there's elements of yourself that you're, you are one way or the other, maybe not exploring as you should. And therefore, the, you, you're not being able to really appreciate who you are as a whole self, yeah. you know, based on, on perhaps social constructs that may or may not have any warrant at all to be you know uh, putting those sorts of burdens on somebody with well, for example when you said with someone who feels they've got an alphabet of um, differences that that don't align with a lot of other people's differences mm. so yeah and I think the ability to explore yourself without fear of, of judgment or persecution or any of those sort of social unwanted elements that make you feel like you are not, not part of the I guess everybody, which is who wants to feel part of everybody. I think uh, it's, that's what it's all about is being unique, but being able to be proudly unique. And uh, yes. we all have the right to be that because I don't think any one of us is any better than anybody else. We're all, each of us are made up of all of our flaws and our strengths and, and all the things in between. Yeah, and it's interesting. You and I understand the power of words and stories and we... Oh, oh, now let's be careful here because I won't say that we see ourselves in our stories because you write a lot of horror. (laughs) You're not not a horrible person, so that doesn't work. But you can see um, a a white male English speaking in many, many stories and in the stories that you read and I can see uh, a white female um, middle class in, in many of the stories that I read. Not so much the older women, that's a little bit harder to find, but that's okay. And Own Voices is very much about giving children and young adults in particular the opportunity to see themselves in stories that they're reading and to know that the person behind the words is similar to them. So I remember when we spoke with Gary Lonsborough, who was our very Mm -hmm, first mm -hmm. interview, and he talked about he would so love to have seen a gay Indigenous bloke, you know, or teenager Uh, a story about one when he was young because it would have meant that there was somebody else like him out there and he talked about having to look and find stories from um, American First Nations peoples to get that sense of, oh, hang on, that's me out there. And I think the chat with Anna um, is very similar in that she has on her, her website some absolutely beautiful reviews, you know, there's one that says, I cried happy tears when I finished reading. It was so good and so validating to feel seen, to see someone like me written by someone like me. And I thought, oh, mm. yeah, really good. And that's why I, well, one reason that I'm a, I just have a passion for technology and mm. it's, you know, I think moving forward, obviously technology is just going to keep continuing leaps and bounds, but it's also going to have such profound and powerful changes or, or, or bring such profound and powerful changes to who we are as a species, who we are as individuals. So, for example, you're right. Uh, at the moment, you know, when I write, I can only write as far as if I'm going to go in depth into experience. I'm going to draw on my own experiences. And yes, I'm I'm a white male. Mm-hmm. Um, but saying that, you know, obviously that we have. I, well, I speak for myself. I've got lots of different characters that I I write about encountering, and uh, mm-hmm. and that's my you know obviously my impression because I I never like to really delve into anyone else's character too much because they are their own character, but 
for example, um, I was always comfortable if I went to a library, pre-internet or anything like that, mm-hmm. I could usually find, you know, I wanted to read a detective book, I wanted to read a sci-fi book, I, I, anything I, I wanted to read about spice, space pirates, I could find those books. I knew they were going to be there. Yeah. And if I couldn't yeah. find it, there's no fear of me going up to the librarian and saying, oh, I want to find a book about this or about that. Yeah. But, but as you mentioned, uh, say a First Nation or Indigenous person that wanted to know if there's a book out there, uh, you know, written by... Um, somebody who grew up, you know, uh, just exploring their sexuality pre-internet. I think it's not the sort of question you're going to go up to the librarian and ask, and it may not be, you know, you're not going to ask your friends in high school. Oh, is anyone? Uh, do you know of anyone who's written a good book about X, Y, Z that yeah. may have felt taboo back in the time? Yeah. Now, of course, with technology, uh, you're only a Google search away, and I think that's the beautiful thing. I think the stories have always been there, ready to be told. Now the audience is aware of the selection. The, the menu is uh, it's just expanded to such a great degree. Steak and potatoes, it's been there a long time, but oh my God, <laughs> has that menu changed though? Yes. And, and you, there's no fear of looking and asking, hmm, I don't see such and such on the menu. Have you got anything in the back in the kitchen? Yeah. <laughs> and say, Actually, we do, coming yeah. in November. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so I think it's a beautiful thing that uh, moving forward, all those voices, anybody who wants to discover those you know to, to to explore those themes those elements those you know uh, meanings of life through eyes that maybe will feel similar to them now they can search for them and find them and that's yeah. what a beautiful thing yeah and it's it's well and truly out there which is fantastic that's but good. that's that's still to come later i think that uh, is still to come later we've got a bit sidetracked but that's okay <laughs> shall, we just, shall we jump to some uh cosmic some 14 day sunshine or i think light or whatever it was um, <laughs> beginning of life news Yes. Ooh. So not a whole lot of news updates from me at the moment because I've had my head deep into some other bits and pieces, but I will just say there's a couple of things happening. Looking at the Australian Society of Authors news, there was a little bit of a disturbing thing that I had a bit of a look at, but I need to look further. And the ASA was dismayed to learn that the National Library of New Zealand donated over 400,000 books to Internet Archive which has included a number of Australian books, many of which are still in copyright. Now, from what I understand, donating it to the Internet Archive means that they take a copy, PDF it, and it's free. So that's not a good thing for um, authors who still have their book in copyright or even for authors that don't necessarily have them in copyright but really are still trying to sell them. So the ASA, uh, you know, wrote to the... Uh, National Library New Zealand to object and a few other bits and pieces so they said despite the criticisms they're saying that the book creators have to opt out of the donation so ASA is urging people to check the list of books that they're donating to the Internet Archive to see if your work's included, particularly titles that have been published pre-digitisation. So there's a list on the ASA website and you can have a look there and see um, and you've got till the 1st of December so uh, we better get this out before the 1st of December, Darren, so that people can um, oh, make sure. Oh, it's going sure. to be out before the 1st of December. Definitely. Excellent. <laughs> so that's good. Goodbye, so sleep. That's... Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm only joking. Uh, but that, that, that's a really interesting um, situation because I wonder, I mean, you know, 
Um, any author would really like to get into libraries here in Australia as well, and obviously people uh, who borrow books from libraries don't pay, but the libraries pay at some point for the for the copy. The 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 copyrighted material that's been submitted has that been purchased at any point prior? Uh, no, this is the copyright is owned by the the authors or the publishers. So these are not even like these are books by Helen Garner, Tom Keneally, Frank Morehouse, Sally Morgan, Colin Thielman, Fox, Tim Winton. So they're not necessarily just the likes of you know you or I who might have some out there. <laughs> there, these are some people who are full time writers making a living from their works. Yeah, yeah establishes careers. Yeah. So, yes, thank you. That's the word. Established careers. So that was an interesting piece of news. Hmm. The other one. That um, which is these are a little bit more technical, I know, but the um, ASA Australian Society of Authors were very pleased that after again another campaign advocating for um, artists that the Australian Publishers Association has amended its member code of conduct to include a provision which improves the recommended terms of publishing contracts for authors. So this recommends to the APA's publisher members that reversion clauses in publishing contracts are based on objective grounds. So this is a good thing and you can find out why that's important to you uh, and you know why you would want to terminate your publishing agreement and revert your rights by having a look on the website. Um, so there's lots of stuff going on behind the scenes which is important and I know that um, the federal government at the moment is uh, – there's an inquiry into the creative and cultural industries, uh, which was released by the House of Representatives, the Standing Committee of Communications and the Arts, and it's about sculpting a national cultural plan, igniting a post-COVID economy for the arts. So, um, yeah, stay tuned for more information on that. Mm. So I think that's about all. There's Look, there are still uh, competitions going on. There are literary awards all over the place. So if you are a writer... Keep your eye on all those things. Oh, now the other thing is that GenreCon 2022, the full program, has been announced. So um, we have spoken with the um, Queensland Writers' Centre. We had um, uh, a fantastic chat with them and uh, GenreCon, which one of our authors, uh, Mental Blank, <laughs> our others, what's his name? Gorgeous man who helped me do the interview. You mean Kevin Clare? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so Jonacon has been lucky enough to have Kevin Clare, and he interviewed uh, Queensland writers with us. So very excited to see their full program is announced. So make sure that you have a bit of a look at that and see if you can squeeze in a little holiday to Queensland and spread some of our, um, you know, economic love around uh, the state of QLD. Mm. And when when is that in 2022? Uh, yes, so it's in 2022 from the 18th till the 20th of February. Oh, okay. And the theme for the conference is The Storyteller. Interesting. So there you go. And they've already got Claire G. Goldman, Coleman, who I love. It's fantastic. I love her stuff. Um Solari Gentile and Karen Warren. Uh, they're hosting workshops. Amy Kaufman, yay! Um, she and Jay Christoph's last in their Aurora Rising series has just released. I've just seen that. And Marianne De Piers, I've been to a workshop with her and she is the a great teacher of world building. So lots and lots of people. Good for writers and good for readers to go and hear their favourite authors speak and to hear all about um, Australian genre writers 
there you go. That's my news. Yeah, that sounds great. I definitely want to. Oh, it'd be so nice to be able to get away quickly to back to the Queensland for a, yes. a week or two in February. Uh, I know it's the wet, wettest time of the year, but it's also, but still, a genre conference that'd be amazing. Uh, yeah. Is that in Brisbane or the Gold Coast? Um, I think it might be in Brizzy because the Queensland Writers Centre is there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not sure. I'd have to have a look. Oh, it's a beautiful city, Wait, Brisbane. I'll just so. check the genre con website for you, and yeah, it looks like Brisbane. Beautiful, excellent. Yeah. Well, I think that's something we've got to keep our eye on and uh, maybe we can start revealing a whole lot of the different programs and events that will be part of that. Yes. Because um, what a way to kick off 2022. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. And they've got a fabulous website, which is genrecon.com.au. So have a look on there for some more information and join their mailing list. Okay, so I guess it's my time for some news. And I thought I might do something a little bit different uh, because at the time of recording, we are finally, uh, I guess, midway or maybe at least on our on the steamrolling track towards uh, borders opening and, and trying to get things back to normal as far as a uh, just one Australia without so the close. borders and the squabble. So we love nothing more than to celebrate the fantastic authors that have been so gracious and so kind as to uh, list their books on the Australian Book Lovers website. But with, you know, artists all around Australia have been uh, hit in all different ways, you know, due to COVID and whatnot. So I just thought for, for this new segment, I might just celebrate Australian authors in general. And, you know, with Amazon.com.au, they have a top 10 or top 100, but I'm going to go through the top 10 of top selling Australian authors, which is pretty much updated hourly. Uh, mm-hmm. So this is pretty much off the, hot off the press. Not always necessarily the latest releases, but again, it's, it's actually the best sellers. Uh, as as the time of recording, so I thought I'll just go through this top ten list, and if there's something out there that people perk their interest, then definitely have a look. And I'm going to explore a couple of little books a little bit more in depth. So at the number ten, we have The Lost Man by Jane Harper, mm. and at number nine we have The Two Lost Mountains, a Jack West Jr. novel, number six, and that is by Matthew Riley. Uh, who's a very fast-paced writer, uh, very Indiana Jonish, the one I've read, mm-hmm. uh, very much fun. Number eight, we have The Barefoot Investor, The Only Money. Let's have a look. What's that title say? The Only Money Guide You'll Ever Need by Scott Pape. Now, I don't know if that's timely or not, how long that's going to last. But <laughs> <laughs> get We have just been <laughs> whinging off air. You and I are not whinging. Um, commenting about all the bills coming in this time of year. Yes, yes. So at least I don't have a sudden $1.3 million mortgage. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Now, at number seven, we have Sorrow and Bliss, the instant Sunday Times bestseller by Meg Mason. Number six, and I think you've talked a little bit about this one, we have Boy Swallows Universe. And that's an international bestseller by author Trent Dalton. Yeah. Number five, we have Jane Harper once again with The Survivors. Number four, we have a book called The Kiss Quotient. Or, yeah, is it Quotient? Quotient. Quotient. It is Quotient. quotient. Yeah. Oh, I always thought that. So we'll go The Kiss Quotient by Helen Huang. And that's number four. And number three, our one of our lucky numbers, we have The Good Sister by Sally Hepworth. Number two, we have a book called Challenge Accepted by Celeste Barber. And number one, we have a book title called The Happiest Man on Earth by Eddie Jacou. Which is a good title. I think that's going to get him a few purchases while everyone's trying to perk themselves up because who does want to be the happiest person on earth? (laughs) Is that by the elderly gentleman from Sydney? Uh, Now, this is actually about... I'll I'll open it up and... uh, Because it didn't tell me where exactly the author was from. I can find out. Let's have a look here. 
Uh, no, it's not going to tell us. Uh, but this is it's a winner of the RBA Biography of the Year 2021. And life can be beautiful if you make it beautiful. It is up to you. Eddie Jacou always considered himself a German first and a Jew second. He was proud of his country, but all of that changed in November 1938 when he was beaten, arrested and taken to a concentration camp. Over the next seven years, Eddie faced unimaginable horrors every day. First in Buchenwald, then in Auschwitz, then on a Nazi death march. He lost family, friends, his country. Because he survived, Eddie made the vow to smile every day. He pays tribute to those who are lost by telling his story, sharing his wisdom, and living his best, best sorry, living his best possible life. He now believes he is the happiest man on earth. Mm. So published as Eddie turns 100, this is a powerful, heartbreaking, and ultimately hopeful memoir of how happiness can be found even in the darkest of times. Does yeah. that sound like the author you think? That that is the one I had read uh, a review of it. Yes, which is fantastic. Oh, it does sound like a. Yeah. Yeah, and it reminds me a little bit of my uh, my grandma, my from the Russian side, mm-hmm. who um, I think I mentioned a little in one of the interviews had the food always. Uh, th- sorry, the table full of food at all times. Yes, and <laughs> was always always in a good mood because there was food. You know, that, why wouldn't she be? But uh, there was just that brief moment in time when she told me about being in the concentration camp. And, yeah. and the horrors and 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 kind of imprinted on me in that moment uh, of why where it wasn't that she was there was a happiness she had that could not be broken mm-hmm. i think and that's something that shone through uh, even you know and i don't know hard to describe but i i can understand what he means that uh, at some point and i'm sure my grandma or my nana is aware that she'll meet all her friends again mm-hmm. and uh but just to be here and to carry on and to let people know what happened uh, i guess yeah maybe there's a reason to be happy so it'd be interesting a book to read there you go. So, yeah. and for everyone out there, it's such a good inspiration to tell your tale, no matter what sort of uh, ch- challenge or pathway you've taken in life. I mean, there's, there's always stories can inspire us all, and, and they, all, every kind of story can inspire us. Yeah, and there are so many fabulous books out there. There is a book for everybody. I exactly. absolutely believe that. Whether you like fiction or whether you're doing business um, and looking for investing, it's all there. That's right. And for example, so we've just gone, we just had a chat about a hundred year old author and, and his tale from 1938, or the events that happened in 1938 that led to him being the happiest man in the world. And now we go to another Australian author, Celeste Barber, mm-hmm. to a book called Challenge Accepted. Now, so funny woman, Instagram star, international comedy sensation, and now best selling author, Celeste Barber's Challenge Accepted is a hilarious and outspoken guide to life, unwanted gas, and how to rock a sexy <laughs> scar. It's real, like totally, really real. Actor, mm. writer, and comedian, Celeste Barber's one very funny woman, not to mention a global social media comedy phenomenon. Amassing over 3.8 million followers in three years with her hilarious hashtag Celeste Challenge Accepted picks, she has been dubbed Australian Comedy Queen by ABC Online, voted the funniest lady on Instagram, gone on sold-out comedy tours of the US, and won herself fans ranging from Tom Ford and Ruby Rose to Amy Schumer and Dawn French. Now, in the tradition of Tina Fey's Bossy Pants, Challenge Accepted is part memoir, part comedy routine, part advice manual. Calling out our ridiculous obsession with celebrity Instagram culture, Celeste reveals all, including her thoughts on keeping it real, the secrets to love, friendship, family and marriage, oh hey, 
hashtag hot husband and how to deal with life's many challenges like motherhood and what to do when your local bottle shop owner can't remember your name so that's uh they, see they look at the range we got with awesome and they remember these are all best australian uh sorry best selling australian books right yeah. now by australian authors which is amazing so already you can go from something a little bit philosophical and spiritually enhancing to something that is a socially uh, uh, a good belly laugh and yes. maybe light-hearted a, a, fiction a good the... excuse to laugh at ourselves yeah yeah, yeah. Now we also have uh, so a couple of couple more books to spotlight. I think be interested for some of our uh, big uh, book lovers out there. The Survivors by Jane Harper. So this is the compelling new novel from Jane Harper, who is of course a New York Times best-selling author of the dry. Yes, which I have watched with Eric Banner. It was fantastic. Yeah, it's it great, really isn't good. it? Yes. I haven't read the book though. It's not real. Uh, yeah, you I can tell know. in the movie that it was definitely based on a book because they. Uh, well, it's not a uh, book, uh, so it's not a movie review show. But yeah, I think they should have stuck really with one plot more or the other. But the, you can see that they're trying to get the intricacies of the book in there. But oh, <laughs> Eric Banner's so good. But anyway, he was so good, wasn't he? Yeah. 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 So if you haven't seen that, uh, listeners, and you like a slow-burning, simmering Aussie suspense, that that's a definitely one to uh, get some popcorn on the table for. Yeah, but, and we, uh, we didn't guess till the end. We we had it completely wrong. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I'm not very good at um, at mysteries and the whodunits, even though uh, my daughter loves Poirot and has watched them time and time again and she loves Agatha Christie, all of those, and she can always tell you who did it. Yeah, no, I couldn't guess. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I've got no comment, but because uh, no. we don't want to give anything too much away. <laughs> but Eric Banner's performance is just amazing, as it always yeah. is when it comes to yeah. drama. And of course, he's a great comedian as well. But, but yeah, so uh, so this compelling new novel, obviously from Jane Harper, and it's uh, Kieran Elliott's life changed forever on the day a reckless mistake led to a devastate. Sorry, led to devastating consequences. The guilt that still haunts him resurfaces during a visit with his young family to the small coastal community he once called home. Kieran's parents are struggling in a town where fortunes are forged by the sea. Between them all is his absent brother, Finn. When a body is discovered on the beach, long-held secrets threaten to emerge. A sunken wreck, a missing girl, and questions that have never washed away. Mm. And that is The Survivors by Jane Harper. So definitely you can get a sense of the dry's uh, slow unravelling there as Mm. well, even just in that plot description. Yeah, yeah. Well, going from a slow unravelling to uh, an author that I mentioned, I've only had a brief uh, brief interlude with, should I say, read a little bit of one of his books, but uh, Matthew Riley, Mm -hmm. who it's very action and you you, you want that trumpet sort of theme track in the uh, theme song in the background. Mm -hmm. So The Lost, sorry, The Two Lost Mountains, a Jack West Jr. novel, and it's number six. So number one best-selling action author Matthew Riley continues his explosive Jack West series. An incredible victory, but at a terrible price. Against all the odds, Jack West Jr. found the three secret cities, but at a heartbreaking cost. His beloved daughter Lily, it appeared, was slaughtered by Sphinx in a cruel ancient ritual. To the mountains and the fall. With his rivals far ahead of him, Jack must now get to one of the five Iron Mountains, two of which have never been found, and perform a mysterious feat known only as the fall. Although, what is the object on the moon that is connected to it? A new player arrives. Amid all this, Jack will discover that a new player has entered the race, a general so feared by the four legendary kingdoms they had him locked away in their deepest dungeon. Only now, this general has escaped, and he has a horrifying plan 
of his own. And that is The Two Lost Mountains by Matthew Riley. And to finish up a little bit of a spotlight on some of our best-selling Australian authors, as at the time of recording, which is almost mid-November 2021, uh, a book I, I, I did mention that you'd mentioned before, and that is Boy Swallows Universe uh, mm. by Trent Dalton. So I, I mean, it's been out for a while, so it's it's good that it's still. Um, I think up it's there. gaining steam. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, so it opens with you know the best Australian novel I've read in more than a decade. A quote from the Sydney Morning Herald: "Astonishing, captivating, a wild, beautiful, heart-exploding ride by Elizabeth Gilbert." So the best-selling novel that has taken Australia and the world by storm. Winner of the Book of the Year at the 2019 Indie Book Awards. Winner of a record four Australian Book Industry Awards in 2019, including the prestigious Book of the Year Award. And winner of the 2019 UTS Glenda Adams Award for New Writing, New South Wales Premier's Literary Awards. Brisbane, 1985. A lost father, a mute brother, a junkie mum, a heroin dealer for a stepfather, and a notorious crim for a babysitter. It's not as if Eli Bell's life isn't complicated enough already. He's just trying to follow his heart and understand what it means to be a good man. But fate keeps throwing obstacles in his way. Not the least of which is Titus Bros, legendary Brisbane drug dealer. But now Eli's life is going to get a whole lot more serious. He's about to meet the father he doesn't remember. Break into Boggo Road Jail on Christmas Day to rescue his mum, come face to face with the criminals who tore his world apart, and fall in love with the girl of his dreams. A story of brotherhood, true love, and the most unlikely of friendships, Boy Swallows Universe will be the most heartbreaking, joyous, and exhilarating novel you'll read all year. So huge praise, uh, very, very uh, dynamic plot points there. Mm. Uh, so, uh, I mean, how could you not want to read that book? <laughs> uh, that has to go under the Christmas trees all around Australia or on the on the Kindle, uh, on you know, Kindle, for Christmas. Yeah. Yep, be beamed through. Well, Santa must have a little... Uh, what do they call it? A sled that goes through the Wi-Fi and yes. delivers little Kinder books yeah, to all our, our book there. lovers out That's there. That's right. Yes. So, so that was a bit of a spotlight on our current best-selling Australian authors. Um, and what what an amazing selection of titles! I think that's what really jumps out to me. Uh, it yeah. just shows you that the audience out there is ready for anything, isn't it? Yes. Because uh, remember, these are the books that are just selling like hotcakes, which is fantastic for our Australian authors. And, it is. You know, it that, is. That top ten list was just a whole range of genres, stories, concepts, and uh, yeah. So so many different bits. Yeah, but you did remind me, Darren, that when you spoke about electronic delivery, in that we had five winners for our giveaway of Chris Tim's audio book. The Last Manor Apocalypse. Ah, yes, so all those people have safely got their downloads and hopefully they have uh, been enjoying that. And one lucky winner has won a book from us before, so she was very excited um, to get uh, to get a, a second not prize. Rigged, so, not rigged, not, not, not rigged. Not rigged at all. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, seriously. I don't, who, no. who was our lucky winner that got two? Oh, I'm pretty sure it was Laura, but I... I don't quote me on that one. Laura, but yes, if it is Laura. Uh, which was fantastic. Um and uh, we also had one of our new sign-ups. We uh, saved one ver- one copy for uh, people who signed up new in uh, the couple of weeks that we were giving away the book. So that's very exciting. So thank you to author Chris Timms uh, for giving us the five copies of his audio book. Yes, thank Aussie you very much, Man Chris. Apocalypse. A lit RPG novel. Again, yes. something completely different. Yes, but the, you should see the, uh, I, I guess... You know, when I was telling people that I know that are into those, that's those sorts of gaming uh, arenas, mm-hmm. uh, when I, you know, had a chat and 
told them that I would interview someone who did uh, RPG game, the int- you know the look in their eyes, what? Hey, what's, what's, <laughs> so yes, you know the people out there that love it. Um, yes, just like I, my eyes light up when you tell me it's a horror story. Or, uh, <laughs> but but speaking of prizes, uh, yep. look, I think that come the start of December we may have some great prizes, very uh, special prizes that. Uh, uh, unique prizes to Australian book lovers that will be coming out for a good little Christmas contest. So more on yes. that in the next episode or two. But uh, this, so this don't is forget super to cool. sign up if you're not if you're just listening to us. Don't forget to sign up to the occasional newsletter that I get myself organised. But yeah. it does mean that you are on the list for the competition. So that's yeah, right. Yes, and, and and absolutely. So you know for, it will be for all subscribers, and there's going to be some great great Chrissy Prezi prizes. And uh, yeah, look, we're Veronica at the moment. We're a two-person show, so you know, it takes some. <laughs> some things take a little bit, uh, a bit more time than we hope to, but it, it does. We're getting there. Yes. And oh, look, at some point, we're going to be a megalonomic, whatever the word is, corporation. And uh, yeah, know, we'll maybe be, never. We'll maybe be dictating never. Uh, quick, quick uh, <laughs> barks of demands from our helicopters as yeah. we're heading towards that island because it was just the right time to get that lobster for lunch. And, and the, <laughs> I'm no. vegetarian, so that we, let's just move moving on from your no, megalomania we'll dreams. To, to, we'll work hard <laughs> to continue to, to promote uh, Australian we will, books and, yes, we, and to bring books into the book lovers. Yeah, absolutely. And so we will. We are doing just a little bit of a catch-up with some of our interviews at the moment, but we are getting there very um, slowly but surely. And, uh, yeah, we've already got people booked for next year. So, um, yeah. so we've got a big summer ahead. If only summer, summer were to start because uh, every time the cold weather and the rain and the hail hits, it makes it easy to – well, not easy, but it makes it harder to, to keep up and uh, sit up all night, which I'd love to do with a horror movie playing in the background <laughs> and working away with the sweat going and the fan. But it just hasn't hit yet, and that's that's my golden time. And where is uh, it? There you go. <laughs> I'm worried about the windows getting smashed with uh, winds and rain. And it's like what? So summer is coming, and so is a whole lot of new cool things with the Australian book lovers. Yes. yes. So, but congratulations! Yet you're right to all of our winners and uh, to to all of our listeners and subscribers to the website. There are some cool Christmas prezies coming on the way. Definitely. So now. That's the news for today, but uh, but do tell. So how how much fun was it talking with Anna? Because I know that she has a sense of humour that uh, I hear jumps straight out of the page. Oh, absolutely. She is just hilarious. And I'm going to read a little bit uh, about Anna from her website so that um, people get all of the information about it because she's done so much. And as I said, there's a bit of a gap between when we spoke and now. And she just continues to do so much more. So her debut own voices novel, Peter Lies Rating Normal, uh, was shortlisted for the CBCA, which is the Children's Book Council of Australia Book Awards. She's also got an essay titled Noisy Silence in Growing Up Disabled in Australia, uh, which I've read, which was edited by Carly Findlay uh, that went that was out in February of this year. Again, really fantastic. And that is a great book for people to read. So many different voices to you know just get a much better understanding of people who are living with a disability so her next novel called tearing myself together is going to be released in early 2022 again with ellen and unwin now when coronavirus spread anna founded a chat show called oz chat um, just to keep the community together and the youtube channel so cool yeah is now funded by in part by the australian arts council so you know she just gathers momentum and she gathers enthusiasm and she's 
fantastic supporter on Twitter. So she uses her YouTube and Twitch presence, um, she's way ahead of me there, to collaborate and connect with the writing community and more broadly with composers and gamers. She's a really big gamer and interesting folk all around the world. So I'm going to hold, I'm going to tell you about Sonic Inc. in a minute. Um, She's got a PhD in young adult fiction literary criticism she's taught sociology and YA and children's literature to pre-service teachers she loves going to writers events and she'll tell us about in in the interview there's a, a really serendipitous meeting that she had um, she likes conferences twitter storms book launches and she's a really strong advocate as you can understand for the neurodivergent community so during her younger years she traveled a lot she's had more jobs than she can remember including making pizzas hotel cleaning waitering pharmacy assistant data entry publishing advertising payroll and youth work She's always busy with another hobby or project from sewing to Lego. She's amazing at Lego (laughs) or taking photos of mushrooms in a rainforest. She loves Minecraft and video editing and coming up with new ideas to make sure she never gets bored. So... Sounds like Anna is a bit of a gypsy, just like uh, (laughs) myself, where a job is just a little temporary stop along the way in life. Yeah, I mean... and if you say Anna Waitley, everybody goes, oh, yes, yes, she's done this or I know this about her or whatever. One of the really interesting things also that she does is this thing called Sonic Inc. So mm. it's on, on her website and it's oh, I've talked to you about this before where she works with a guy called Max Stout and she was playing League of Legends and uh, she met Max Stout and uh, the two of them put together um, the music and the writing. So speed writing and composition. So basically they have two hours to write and compose a piece to the theme given over Twitch by a viewer. That's awesome. Or one that she's got in a mystery list in case that that, uh, is too hard. And a few tweaks later just to make sure that it's slick and then they put it up on YouTube and that's it. So they have people watching them as they compose or write and some of the stories that uh, she tells when we're interviewing is really amazing. So, And some of those YouTubes are up on her website and they're just brilliant. So, yeah, just an amazing, creative and absolutely generous and compassionate woman. She's just brilliant. What an opportunity for such a uh, fantastically fun interview. Yeah. Yeah, talk about having... You know, pokers in the whole range of bonfires all across, <laughs> that's it. All across the planet. That is it, so yeah. Speak. Yeah, that's so cool. And what a cool idea, like speed writing and, yeah. and speed music writing. And composition, I guess, as well. Yeah, yeah composition. So, yeah. Um, that's super cool, yeah. yeah. It's definitely something I want to check out. And so how many books has Anna written? So she's got her uh, debut novel and she's got a story in Growing Up Disabled in Australia and right. her second solo is about to come out uh, early next year. Fantastic. So with all of that, you are armed and ready to listen to a fabulous chat with the delightful Anna Waitley. I couldn't agree more. Let's go. Hello, Anna Waitley. Welcome to Australian Book Lovers. Hi. Thank you so much for having me on. It is an absolute pleasure. I think I've been nagging you for a little while and I'm very glad that you've been able to squeeze us in because you've become quite famous since, you know, I first met you on Twitter a while back. I don't know. I don't know what counts as famous or infamous. (laughs) Well, perhaps infamous is a better word because when I was looking up all the things that you do to talk to you about today, not only do you have a fabulous book in Peter Lyre's Rating Normal, you've got another one on the go which is tearing 
turn myself, myself together. Together. Thank you. You've got a short story in Growing Up Disabled in Australia. You run OzChat, which has now got funding from the Arts Council. You've got a YouTube channel. You've got Twitch. You've just started Sonic Inc. Oh, yes. Which is just. You can't have too many projects. (laughs) You can't. But I love someone who has as many shiny syndrome things as me. So it's fantastic to talk to someone who is not going to say to me, and what else are you doing you know, with this kind of bemused, <laughs> oh, my God, how can she do that? <laughs> no, no, love multiple projects, I think. Keeps yeah. the energy going. Yes, yeah. definitely. So let's start with Peter Liar, if we could, because this is Australian Book Lovers and Peter Liar is on the web pages at ABL. A little bit about Peter, if you would. Give us a little bit of a just the kernels of Ooh. what the story's about. How long since I pitched Peter Liar? Here mm. we go. Uh, Peter Liar is a neurodivergent 16-year-old who gets everything right. She follows all the rules and uh, and then until she falls in love with a new girl and goes on the school ski trip and everything starts to unravel because the rules don't make sense and uh, she ends up having to choose which ones to follow and which ones to break. It's a pretty amazing story. Yeah. It, it, it's hard to sum up. Like it's yeah. kind of like you can give a pitch of like they go on a ski trip and come home yeah. and it doesn't really encompass like <laughs> no. the drama. No, <laughs> the it doesn't. Going. Yeah, You can describe and, it as a romance. You can describe it as a known yeah. voices. You can describe it as a coming of age. You can, yeah, yeah so many And things. she really is that. I like that she's kind of a little harder to classify, even though it's yeah. very much contemporary young adult fiction. Mm. But, yeah, so she's because she's autistic and has ADHD and sensory processing disorder um, like myself. And so it's just that process of hearing all the rules in her head as she's going about her daily life. And that's what I put the reader through. I kind of feel <laughs> like I should apologise. But no. I didn't know everyone didn't do that. And I also yeah. didn't know that I wasn't the only one. So that's a little bit of a holding a bit of a contradiction in my head at the same time Mm. but I've realized I kind of sometimes I'm a bit like how can you not think like this and then Mm. other times I'm thinking I really thought I was all alone and all these people are saying that they they understand so yeah tell me more about people recognizing themselves in your story uh unbelievable it's been amazing I get such lovely little messages from anyone from like 12 years old all the way up to there was an I think it was a woman in her 80s went into the bookstore Mm. in Melbourne and said I saw this thing on the news and I need this book because I think that's me and I thought oh my goodness oh isn't that just fantastic my own grandma she's in her 90s she wouldn't admit if she saw herself in it, but she said that she definitely saw grandpa in there. And ah. I, I wish I'd had this one when I was parenting teenagers. Yes. Um, so, yeah, having that broad uh, range of people recognising either some element of their own, maybe if they're an anxious person, they're not neurodivergent themselves, but they can recognise some aspects that hit home a little bit for them. But mostly, I mean, I've had, I think it must be, I might be up to six or is it seven formal diagnoses of people who've read the book and then gone and seen, uh, uh, sought their own diagnosis? And I think that's great because it means yes. they now know there's community waiting for them because yeah. I think the people that rally around mine and like Kay Kerr's book and things, it's like shown that there are people there to catch you. You know, you're yeah. not falling alone. Like when we were diagnosed and we didn't know 
anyone else like us. Yeah. Um, there's now that safety net there. That's anyway. fantastic. So I guess we should say anybody who is seeking a diagnosis, what's the be- mm. best first step for them? You need to see, you should probably see a GP first to try and get funding for anything you can <laughs> to get a referral um, yeah. on to, you know, for a six psychology sessions or something like that you can get mm-hmm. that's like the cheapest way to be looking mm-hmm. for it mm-hmm. or you can um obviously if you have a psychiatrist they're capable of doing that but I actually saw I sought out my own psychologist who specialized in women uh, autistic women mm-hmm. and there was no funding for that and so it tends yeah. to cost about a grand to go in and have all the testing done and it's yeah. a long it's a uh, it's a long process in that it's hours of, of testing and everything and then you get reports and then you choose what to do with them. There's no pressure to disclose. So if you are diagnosed, it doesn't mean everyone will then know or your workplace or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, you can kind of just have that for yourself and then you can continue to see them if you'd like or or someone else um, mm. for what to do with what comes out of it, you know. And they can often put in sort of uh, autism and ADHD and, and the giftedness. It all kind of comes under the same assessments. So mm-hmm. you can have the whole sort of thing done at once if that's easier as well yeah anything requiring medication like for ADHD that's a psychiatrist you need a psychologist can't prescribe Mm -hmm. so that's the process in Australia Mm. anyway which is expensive but at least it is there that's as you say there may be better all the time there would be a public system but it would just be a long wait yeah and yeah the, the consistency I think the public system sometimes struggle because the doctors turn over so quickly and rotate yeah. through, you know, various things. Yeah. What was the inspiration to write Peter Liar? I needed a book. Like I was, I'd written a middle grade fantasy mm-hmm. and that was my first real book, like a whole 50,000 words, you know. Woo-hoo. Woo. <laughs> yeah, I know. It was amazing. <laughs> and, uh, and I went, I wanted to see what would happen with that and a chapter book as well but that was much smaller and so I went I booked in for a conference at the CYA conference in Brisbane and then before that I thought oh I need to know what it's like to go to an event as a book person because I'd always been an academic so I booked in for the Love YA day in Brisbane and I'd always sworn I'd never write young adult fiction because I'd studied it so much I thought it would be a terrible idea and I would never I have nothing to write like that I nah never You've got a PhD in young yeah, adult fiction. I know. Yeah. How tragic is that? And then there's me. That's exactly why I thought, no, I could never do this. So, Did the yeah. academics um, ruin your enjoyment of it? Do you think? No, or were you just no. over it for a while? Or No, just love it. Just love I would, it. yeah. And the PhD is in studying it as ah. a cultural product. Like it's like a theoretical sort of analysis, literary yeah. analysis. Okay. But anyway, I sorry, never found that ruined. Oh, no, no. I talk about that forever. I find that. <laughs> always made everything better and was never one to think that pulling it apart ruined things. It's not really my jam. Gave you a deeper insight. Yeah, I just and you get to like kind of revel in it. It's a Mm -hmm. bit like people who want to dive in and swim in money or something and it's that feeling of just being completely surrounded by the thing you love more than anything and so for me studying those words and having an excuse to look at them endlessly, which is obviously a passion of mine, Mm -hmm. special interest or however we want to call it. Mm -hmm. So it was like that. I get to dive in and just focus and focus and focus on those words that I really loved. Oh, the theory, the theory gave me a real buzz. And so I would do that and had a good excuse to do it. 
Yeah. I've run out of excuses though. Oh, so. Damn, you can't do yeah, a double doctorate or something. Damn, well, <laughs> no, it's a pretty hard industry. <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know if I want to work in um, in the academic world yeah. anymore. Yeah. So, but I went to the Love yeah. YA day. Yes, and sat next to some lovely people who were who were really lovely, and we were talking away. And then on stage comes you know Ellie Marnie and. Um, and all these amazing people talking and some editors. So like Christina Schultz was there and uh, Alex Adset, and they were all saying, we want own voices novels. That's what we really need. And I just thought I'd never heard the term because I had been a bit out of the loop having a baby and, and doing that. Mm-hmm. And it had kind of come about after my PhD. The hashtag had all started after I'd finished. So there was like a 10-year gap there. And I thought, what's own voices? Like what? And I kind of picked it up pretty quickly. I was like, oh, great. Well, I've got nothing. I'm like white. I live quite a middle-class life now and, and all that. And then I was sitting there and it dawned on me. I thought, oh, I don't know many ADHD characters mm. who are like, apart from Percy Jackson, you know, yep. where are the girls? You know, and then I thought, oh, maybe I should do that. And then I was talking to the people next to me who turns out organized the CYA conference. Oh, it was Tina and Sam. Serendipity. And they're like. You should book more than one thing. Why do you book like one session with an editor? You need to book like go get in there, you know, pitch to some agents. I'll introduce you. Da, da, da. I thought, okay. So I went home and booked all these editor sessions and agent pitching sessions. And I looked at what they wanted and then I looked at what I'd written. And I'm like, oh no, that's just crap. I can't pitch that. I should probably write the own voices YA novel. So it so within about two weeks, two or three weeks, I wrote Peter Liar. Um, so that's like the the book side of what I did. Yeah. And then, but emotionally, that mm. just opened a huge floodgate and it all just poured out. And so mm. it really came out from nowhere. I just, and then I saw that the difference in that writing to the writing I'd done in the fantasy novel. And I could then think, oh, okay, pitching this is easy because I can see why that's different or, yeah. or, you know, has something in it, like for looking from the outside in. Mm-hmm. So I get stuck now writing ostensibly slightly miserable things rather than my <laughs> dragons and my lovely fantasy worlds. Well, being a dragon uh, and fantasy person, please go back and write a few eventually. I <laughs> well, I would, I'd like to go back and try and fix fix them but then I know that that would distract me from the writing I'm doing now which is better and it is painful and it hurts and Uh, that's why it's good I know (laughs) I have to add the passion in and the fun in because otherwise it is miserable so very much so yeah got to find you know fill up all the buckets at once yeah don't have one just empty yeah it was the same for me I had to write I wanted to write the fantasy it had just been burning in my brain forever but I had to go back and write the memoir because I was sort of transcribing you know uh, notes to my daughter and it just I had to get that out but once that was out then it was easier to go back you do to yeah. do the other yeah and I had to get the fantasy one out yeah because I loved Anne McCaffrey and oh, Catherine Kerr so much oh, and my kids yes. wanted dragon stories of course, yes. at their level without yeah. disturbing content yes they're a bit scared like they yeah. don't want you know like Anne McCaffrey, that like there are scenes in that you're not giving to your eight year old, yeah. <laughs> but she wants yes. the other stuff, you yes. know. And yeah. and we'd found a few, but they go through them so fast. Yeah. So yeah, I I needed to get that out of my system to just write, and it was great fun. It was really good. I was I really wasn't very good at it though. So I need to because I'd written in third person and past tense, which I've now learned 
is not good for me. I really, <laughs> like I end up tripping up over my words all the time. Uh, it's not natural. So yeah. first person present tense just came out. Just works. Yeah. Yeah, a lot better. Yeah. yeah. Which is good. Okay. So you've got Peter Liar. That's with Alan and Unwin. Mm-hmm. Is your second book also with them? Yep. Same editors and everything. Oh, I've got my team, Jodie and, and Kate, who are phenomenal yeah. um, editors and support people and friends of mine now and I'm just so it wasn't really a choice it was just mm-hmm. like I wrote a book take my book please yes okay great thanks you know, like, <laughs> I didn't really want to even yeah. ask anyone else um so did really? you just pitch to Ellen and Unwin yeah I just yeah. said I, they were the ones you if wanted. they'll take if they'll take me I'll yep. stay you're right um, yeah. and especially given that it's set in the same world as Peter Liar yeah and um with different you know, different students and it's a year later and, and it's a different sort of focus in it. I think having that consistency in my editing team and having for me that sense of trust because this second book was so much harder to write, mm. uh, hugely difficult emotionally than and I needed to know, I guess, that I had some people I could fall back on uh, and they've already, you know, really helped me through that. So Because mm-hmm. I know you nice. can do the work and they know you and... I think How they've got work. faith that it will end up okay. <laughs> I mean, Peter Lyre arrived in an extremely polished state, like it yep. was very tightly completed. Mm-hmm. Unlike tearing myself together, which has been a little bit more messy. I'm gesturing with my hands. Yes, yes, gesturing. Helpful. I can see it. <laughs> I'll gesture loudly. No, it's been it's been um, a, di- a very different writing experience. So it's yeah. two two years at least in the in the go, and it's still not. Not at the stage where I would say that's a complete package. Hmm. Why but is it's that with them now. They'll fix it. That's a good thing. Now. <laughs> Why do you think this was so difficult, given that it's a sequel but not quite a sequel? Yeah. So Blair and Hilsey, the two characters who I focused through for this one. So there's two for one thing. So I've not done that before. Like have yes. two yes. vocal people. And because I write so heavily in voice, I've then got two whole voices that I'm yeah. juggling. Um, so I have to write them very separately so that yeah. they sound consistent for who they are. And I did write them one by one. I wrote one story and wrote the, wrote the other. And then I realised one was so dark and the other was so light they didn't stand up on their own. Putting them together worked. And they were all set in the same place and it really did match. I just didn't realise what I was doing at the time. I was in a bit of a panic that if I didn't have my second book written before Peter Lyre came out that I would end up stuck with the second mm. book syndrome that everyone talks yes. about, that it's yeah. really hard. So mm-hmm. I was like, no, I must fix, not have that. I have to be prepared and I have to write something. So I kind of pushed these out and then I realised after writing particularly um, Blair's story because she has an operation on her lip that it leaves her quite disfigured and in a lot of pain and the operation itself is quite traumatic, which is the one I had on my lip, although she has a melanoma, not a BCC just because of her age and mm-hmm. check with my dermatologist and we had a discussion <laughs> about what was likely good research <laughs> yeah, yeah he, he loves it he thinks this is great um and then writing it and it was a really traumatic experience the operation was huge so there was and I can't oh I can't give away like secrets can I no no well not unless you want to no, no spoilers everyone I've mentioned it before on Twitter okay anyway and for the people who listen to your podcast they get yes. an extra treat isn't excellent it? But I, there was no general anaesthetic available. So I had, so it's 40 stitches I've had in my leg where they, they basically cut your whole face open, chop it out and stick it all back together again. But I was awake for it and I could smell it and hear it. And and the the sensory 
I've never been so terrified in my whole life and I've done a lot of things that are terrifying. So it was looking back through that and then to get the timing right for healing. So in your narrative, you know, plot wise, I had to look at what point could I speak again? At what Mm. point could I use, like I had to use a straw for about a year Mm. to drink because I can't feel the edge of the cup or the mug Mm. on my lip. It's still numb. And so I would just be spilling things and stuff. And so I had to look back on the photographs and I had to look back on my emails Mm -hmm. and I had to, you know, and there are things I can't put in the book that don't make sense. But the day that my son came out, he was like four or five, three or four or something. I can't remember now. No, it would have been about two. It was about two and a half. So he toddles out of the bathroom and sort of, maybe he was three. Sorry, I'm having a moment now. I can't remember. But he could talk because he goes, now I look like mummy. And he'd cut himself with a razor on his (gasps) lip. Oh, and no. he was bleeding. Oh. And it was just like the most horrible thing. Oh. And I couldn't smile at them. I couldn't do anything. I couldn't oh. smile at my children for such a long time. And I'd just gotten divorced like a year before. Oh. So it was just me. Oh. And I was there with like trying to hold up smiley faces to tell them I was happy and things like that. But at the end of the day, I couldn't feel things. So you can't mm. feel happy because you accidentally smile. And I, I remember watching something hilarious on television I'm running out of the room, holding my face together oh, no. because it split a stitch, like it made oh. it start to bleed and thinking I'm just not even allowed to feel joy right now. And then oh. you can't cry either because that oh, will make because it it's tense. Still screw your face up. You still oh, can't no. even cry either. So I spent a lot of time disassociating and disembodying myself and trying not to, to feel. And that was months and it was a horrific experience. And, and I had to look back on that in detail. And then I, went to the conference in Melbourne talking about trauma writing and I had a complete meltdown in Melbourne because obviously it was just not a good idea. And that's when I put it all away and said, no, I can't do that anymore. And then I wrote Hilsey's story and she has Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, but she's super bubbly and fun and light and she's just like the best, like most light person to sort of be in her head is great because like everything's shit and she's just still going <laughs> and making the most of it she's a bit like that other side of me yes and yes. she has the knee operation my daughter had where her knee died basically and had to be drilled to mm. come back to life zombie knee here we go so I asked my daughter and she let me use her medical experience there and um and of course, they, all, they have ADHD and there's, yeah, all that's in there and there's, they're queer and, and all those things are all still thrown in as usual for me. So I wrote that side, that other narrative that really helped. And then so over the two years, I then put them back together again. But having to edit that alone, I've spent a few months this year, just I just disappeared. Mm-hmm. You know, I disappeared from Twitter. I disappeared from my family. I started gaming obsessive, like completely obsessively. I'm really good at League of Legends. <laughs> Bronze too. I'm like in an elite esports team. Like I'm going full, you know, because I couldn't cope with the book. And it was yeah. this uh, one way I could escape yeah. from it. So yeah, it was I'm now it's off for structural edit. So mm-hmm. I won't have to see it for a while. And while I and I'm looking forward to having it come back as something I can love and nurture and know will be okay because I know that's yep. what Kate will do and Jodie mm. will do for me uh, rather than just feel like I'm you know I need to know there's enough light in there yes to balance things yeah. I can't make my readers go through um too much yes really? no yes no? no but yeah gotta have a balance yeah. yeah and a given that you have brought so much of your own experience into your work 
What are your thoughts about people who are not neurodivergent or who are less neurodivergent putting a neurodivergent character in their story? Go for it. For there's not well there's just not enough for even a bad representation is something to be okay. honest yeah and I know that's not probably like the way we're supposed to say it but it's a little bit it's it's like you have to come into hiding you have to become something that even people know is there before they can fix that representation and we're at that point almost like yeah. with television yeah. and things where we've got a load of kind of dodgy characters um or we've realized that it's been used in the past more and we're making it more of an overt process of saying oh yeah you know like Sherlock Holmes or whoever mm-hmm, it might be mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um but if for the conscientious writer I guess there's yeah. always the process of having a sensitivity reader or yeah. an authenticity reader yep. is really helpful mm. writing in first person though I think that could be really dangerous yeah you know yeah. like I don't write as a person of color I don't write um in voices that I feel like I had no idea if that would be authentic and the mm-hmm. risk of just doing huge amounts of damage to mm-hmm. me and them is huge. So yeah. while I would, I do my best to make sure I'm showing an accurate representation of the diversity in our community. Um, and I lean on people like I've had, you know, my beautiful Persian Sam who character who I then, went and met with a cultural advisor to make sure that I was representing her family and her well and, uh, and everything. I think that's a really valuable process Mm. for a writer if you can afford it. And if you can't afford it, see what you can do to sort of just do your best around that or who, you know, that can help. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just so that we, if possible, can get accurate representations and they'll all be different, which is brilliant. That's what we need. Yeah, closer and closer every day. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Next book is your story in Growing Up Disabled in Australia. Oh, yeah. My essay in yes. there, Noisy Silence. Yes. Tell oh, us about that. When when in the, know. I guess, the time frame of that, yeah. when did that come out? That would have been, I think I wrote that like early last year or something, mm-hmm. maybe. can't remember now. Okay. I wrote it quite quickly because... I, well, I write everything quite quickly because otherwise I can't get a good flow mm-hmm. in it. But then I went back and I put in, you know, excerpts from my real, like my diaries and my, because I'd used them to write it. I was like, what was it like for me? You know, why don't I, instead of using my dodgy memory, mm. what if I go and look in my diaries? I wrote, obsessively wrote diaries when mm. I was, from about when I was 10 until 23 or something like that. Mm-hmm. I have just all this stuff and some of it's just so hilariously boring. <laughs> And mundane, like <laughs> endless, who's going out with who yeah. when I was like 11 or something. <laughs> Growing Up Disabled was an amazing anthology. Yeah, it's Which really was so illuminating. In the same way that when I read Peter Lyre, I had such a, a a much better understanding of my little grandnephew who has sensory disorder. And just to be able to think, this is the way I can see, this is the way his brain will work. And then with Growing Up Disabled in Australia to talk about the social model of disability, which 30 years ago when my daughter was born with a severe disability, that was nothing. And we had to uh, advocate, argue, fight every step of the way with the health system, despite me 
being an insider in the health system that is incredibly yeah. difficult yeah. so that collection of stories was amazing yeah I think Carly's done a great job I was so surprised to be included in it because it's not my forte writing non-fiction things mm-hmm. they just tend to come out for me they just are a bit esoteric sort of sounding like a little bit weird but I think I found a, a way to put make it kind of a narrative yeah you know yeah it, it, it works um, really well I had to kind of yeah try and get back to my genre which was like this is a story as well like you yes. know yeah and to not upset anyone because of the partner has a lot I couldn't put in because of people who are alive and well and my family don't even know I've done it actually I have not actually told anyone in my family that yeah. I was published in it which is just an omission on my part because they don't pay much attention to my writing anyway and it wouldn't have been hard for them to not notice to be honest yeah and it was easier than having them read it and then like particularly my mum who's always been wonderful she's a one she's like my total hero I don't Mm -hmm. want her to read it and think because she gets very upset that she could didn't do more or or couldn't have helped more but as you say that it just was a really different world yeah you know 30 40 years ago you didn't look at your kids and think well maybe we should find some adjustments for them at school for what looks like an endless tummy ache like the amount of days I had off school with a tummy ache growing what was that you know yeah Yeah, it was all just worry you know it was just a worry Mm. pot or Mm. because I had no friends I didn't want to go to school and you know it must have been so hard for her and I don't want her to to blame herself Mm. you know so to protect her from that as much as I can sorry (laughs) mum if she's listening don't tell her (laughs) yeah exactly sorry mum yeah. So, yeah, I think it, mothers are pretty forgiving. They they understand. Yeah. Yeah, I wanted to forgive herself though. I don't I yeah. know. She kind of that takes yes. a bit longer. I'll just say that it takes a bit longer. But this is me. oh, <laughs> and as a mum, I'm yes. like, it's been the the process of me getting my own kids diagnosed and things. You'd think I'd know better. Like when they come up with a new diagnosis, one of them, and I'll be like, how did I not know that? Like this is my whole life is spent knowing about all the ways you can, you know. Uh, being neurodivergent and yet I've missed my own children in some respects you know Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know so one who is um, autistic I didn't pick up on the OCD or the ADHD because it's so overlapping and interconnected and until you can pull them apart or they can communicate a bit more uh, as they get older like become more verbal or whatever it is or worse become worse in some ways until you can real you realize that needs help and Mm. you think oh why didn't I just jump in a bit quicker Mm. so as a as a mum I'm I'm on the same I read things and think oh is that what it's like for for another neurodivergent person or whatever so I'm still in that learning process as well I don't know if I've answered a question (laughs) no I think we got there because we were talking about growing up disabled in Australia yeah and and it's how things have changed they really so much yeah. And yet in some ways, not like my psychiatrist was clearly, and I've had a few, cause you've got to find one who actually believes ADHD is a thing and even autism. They're very reluctant, very reluctant to go there over trauma. All they want is to see trauma and that mm. we need to fix PTSD and we need to fix this and this. And this. It's so hard for the medical um, profession. They so want to fix stuff. Yeah. Express their hearts. That's great, but that's not always the way. Instead it works. of accepting, this is the way oh, this is. Maybe yeah. change the world you're in a little bit. You yeah. know, it's always down to you. It's always down to what can you fix to put up with everything. Instead yes. of saying, you know, this might be a way to communicate with others about what you need. 
you know, that's rarely been my experience. I've only had one person who said to me, you know, one psychologist who was a bit like, well, but why do, why do you be around them then? Why don't you just choose not to do that? Because it's, they're hurtful and they don't understand or whatever. And I thought, oh, I never knew I had the power to do that, you know. And then I've, I've found taking a little bit more control over who I associate with is really helpful. Mm. So, yeah, there's not a lot of empowerment in that way. Mm. Although I don't like the word empowerment because it's not like power is given as a gift and bestowed upon you by someone who owned it. It's more yeah. like recognising that you get to play that game too. That power game, you get to have a go. Tell me, how does your alphabet of diagnoses work with your writing process? What helps you get that flow? Because you've said when you write, you've just got to get in there. And let's leave the um, League of Legends for a minute. But (laughs) tell me (laughs) about. That's the procrastinating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I procrastinate bake. So, you know. Oh, wish I did that. (laughs) Or wish you lived next door and did that. So I can (laughs) keep getting the. My muffins, my muffins, yeah. yeah. Post them up here, mate. <laughs> so um, tell me about you when you're in the flow. Well, this, this, and this will help frame it because I have a really good one because I've been doing this Sonic Ink with mm, Maxed Out. Yes. Where we do spend two hours writing. I write and he does composes music. Yep. And to do that, like particularly this week, I had to get in the zone really quickly and I had to feel something quick enough to then write this authentic representation of something in two hours like it was hilarious and I'm live streaming this all to twitch right and so I was like saying someone Elizabeth was there with me I can hear Max composing and we decided on the theme and it was going to be this market bazaar and a fortune telling was this idea and he's got the drums and and chimes and things like that going on and I was just not finding the story properly like mm-hmm. not in a way that I felt like it would have any meaning you know it's only mm-hmm. 500 words mm-hmm. so I was like right that's it I went and I lit my my incense that I often put my nag champa that I often mm-hmm. burn when I'm writing I've got all my lights around me I love lights and yep. you know that's my sensory thing yes I'm going to put light here light here I, I blew my yep. candle out just in case it was distracting but <laughs> oh well I love a dark room with all the lights all around and then yep. I like um I went and got my belly dancing gear out beautiful and so I got like I don't know if you can hear the jingle there's like oh don't worry there's all belly dancing gear behind me and drums and um like my coin belt and i don't laugh. So I like put on all my old belly dancing gear that I used to wear. Beautiful. And I'm shimmying around and I'm like, right, I've got the music going and I had everything, like all my senses. So, you know, my sight, my everything was kind of catered for. And then I had to stop and just sit down and just wait. And I just sit there with the program open and I can still hear Max making it. So he, he knows he's got to keep a track kind of playing the whole time, the backing, whatever he's doing while he's composing and I just had to then just sit and wait and and be okay with the fact that it's not instant I don't actually Mm. tend to write words that I'll delete later Mm -hmm. I just kind of wait for them to then be the right words I don't know Mm. if that makes sense Mm. and then and then focus a little bit and just actually write a story and then I will yeah read it back quite a lot and move things around and and make sense make sure it makes sense I have to make sure it's got a really nice an interesting ending for 500 words and then just keep polishing that. And, you know, last, the week before I actually wrote three in the time it took him to do the music. Wow. So I was writing the wrong thing. I could, re- I was reading it going, 
nah, this is right. They wanted a battle scene and I'm not like a battle scene. And he had a, he just bought these choir sounds because he right. composes on the computer where he's got yep. like v- virtual instruments, you know, huge gear, like really expensive, like film score stuff. So he's bought mm-hmm. all these choral <laughs> singers and he's like, and I, it's going to have the music like, you know, where it's like, um, where it plays, oh, I can't remember the name of it. Anyway, it's really fun. It's up there on the Sonic Inc. Um, on the YouTube channel. But, and I needed this epic angels versus demons battle. Mm. And I'm like, in 500 words, <laughs> I don't even write battles. <laughs> but in the end, I was like, okay, what's that moment where one that I wrote, you know, imagine if you wake up and you're in and an angel's like holding you and you un- undo like the feathers. Uh. And then I had like heat, uh, the angel had kind of, grabbed her from the cathedral because she'd stolen something and just and they had this kind of weird relationship and she's like oh what'd you do that for and he's like what do you mean you know and he's this clueless angel and she's trying to save him from being captured I love that one but it Mm. wasn't right it wasn't a battle so in the end I had to do this battle where then I had like holding the dying angel and they were in love and they're fallen angels and they're battling demons anyway it all worked we really liked that and in and Max read it out so in his like Hawaiian accent, and he, ah. he like is a professional. So he's like, "Leave her here, or she will die." Oh. <laughs> it was all like pro, and I'm like, "Uh oh." When I read them out, I'm just here with the mic, going, "Yeah." So she went down to the. No, it's not like that. <laughs> I do a bit better of a job, but yeah. from now on, I think we're going to be using uh, voiceover artists because ah, okay. So the that's growing. So tell me about Twitch. No, no. It's I know in, to you'll write have an empire. You'll have read out so oh. many empires in two hours. <laughs> they'll well, read an error and be like, "Oh, that's not very good." I'm like, two hours, guys, two hours." But anyway. thinking about voiceover, I was listening to uh, the ABC radio heading up to a book launch uh, last night up in Woodend. First one for so long it was fantastic oh, in, in real life. Book launch. It was really good. So that was this was Erin Red and the Serpent Skin. Fantastic. But anyway, um, listening to the ABC and they're apparently, and I'm going to look this up, there's a podcast about the animated show Bluey. Ah. And the writers and animators of Bluey have asked the two women from the podcast to do a voiceover part in one of their next shows so they are so excited so that's what I want to say to you your voiceover artist might just be so excited to be there that's really cool well they are they're really stuck in like the COVID world still over there yeah so being able to do things from the island you know and from home is really um, I think they're happy about that but I've got to kind of imagine my stories being spoken in accents that that aren't mine yeah because I write quite an Australian dialect yes yeah and is that good for me to branch out or should I be sticking to my thing? Or mm. I don't know what I'm going to do. What if I wrote a script for two mm. people? I don't know if I can do that. But it's a chance to do it. And, you know, if I stuff it up, oh, well, what have you got? You can't kind of be too afraid to try. No, and- no, absolutely not. No, give, yeah. give it a shot. And yet uh, let's see a screenplay next, Anna. Screenplay. That would be yeah. a bit of a cracker, wouldn't it? Yeah. Well, next week I've got to do something that uses brass instruments and a kind of war theme because he's he's writing a he's doing the film score for a little war a, sort of a junior, a junior war film. Yep. And I was like, to save time because he's got to be doing that. Why don't you compose one of those and mm. I'll write something? Me? I don't know. Like, <laughs> you just said no battle scenes, and now you're doing. I know. No, no, no. So I'm thinking it's got to be something like letters, maybe. Yeah. You know, like between people, like who's at home. Ah. You know, yes. something like that that I know more about, like from yeah. my grandma's sort of side of thing, or 
who's left behind or maybe mm. I could yeah. try not to overthink it because then it wouldn't be spontaneous but no. the other side of me just desperately wants to be prepared <laughs> so anyway this is what I'm this is what I'm doing and, yeah. I, and I hope and then I put visuals to it like edit yes. in some visuals to make yeah. it something that's worth watching on YouTube yeah and it's just a little side thing that keeps me going every week where I actually have to push my writing a little bit which I haven't done yeah. for a long time because I don't mm-hmm. enter in competitions at the moment and I don't mm-hmm. do flash writing as much as I used to, but I used to really like it. I'm not very I'm not great at it. Like there are some people are amazing at it, but we can't all be perfect. That's no. part of the whole point of doing what we're doing is and Twitch because it's live. Yes. It's you're accountable. You can't, you people are watching the whole process. Like you can see Max, you know, stuff up some of his playing or you can hear how he fixes things or from the music, so composing and music people are watching him. With that, and mm-hmm. people from our gaming community, hilariously, because that's how we met. Yeah. Um, so they're watching him do that, and I'm with the writing side on Twitch, and I go, so we have two channels going at the same mm-hmm. time, mm-hmm. and and I do my sort of writing thing over on mine, which sounds more boring, but then you go and get your belly dancing stuff out, and it's not. It's so- not so boring. <laughs> I was just going to say, I'm thinking coins and belly dancing. <laughs> what am I going to do next week? Well, Warhammer? You know, <laughs> pretend to be brass. I can yeah. put on my band uniform. No, I have yeah. no idea. I'll uh, think of some some way to to yeah. make it all work. But yeah. um, yeah, it is fun and it's quite lively. And and Bram's presser. So I've been editing. Yes. He did. Yeah. Max did the music for Bram's presser as well. So mm-hmm. I've got another one of those to edit. Okay. Now so I'll tell us a little really. bit about that. That's just where I rang up Bram and said, hey, you know loads about books. Do you want to talk about it? And I'll record it. And he said, okay. And so <laughs> they're 10 minutes each, but they're kind of fun and punchy and he's hilarious. I don't know if he realises how funny he is. And so I love <laughs> editing him and he's such a punk. And so I'm like make it as hard as I can, like kind of keep it grungy and stuff. And he, But he reads so much. He reads mm-hmm. like the, the amount that he can get through is huge mm-hmm. so basically it's sort of whatever he's got going at the time to keep people up to date because he writes a blog but he wanted something more interactive mm. I think more visual mm-hmm. um, so we do that as much as we can we had a bit of a break after Christmas because I disappeared into my book and yes. couldn't get out <laughs> but now I'm, I'm emerging you're emerging which is good I'm yeah. happy to be uh, part of the emerging you are part of the emerging <laughs> thank you that's good all right Twitch, OzChat, we haven't covered. Tell us about OzChat. OzChat, again, I just rang people up and said hi at the beginning of COVID because we were all alone and didn't know what we were doing. And I already knew Zoom before, like, anyone knew Zoom. And I was like, hey, I'll record this chat. Yes. On my little laptop. I did this all on my tiny little laptop and somehow managed to record them, edit them, and put them up on on Twitter, like, within the day. Like, that. I can't. looking amazing. What? What am I doing? <laughs> now it takes me weeks. Like, oh. But they're much longer now. Everyone wants to talk for a really long time. It uh, used to be like 10 or 15 minutes. And now yeah. I can't get people off. They're all like, <laughs> but I enter, and now I'm a bit more and I actually know people more. And there's just more to say. And you don't yeah. cut someone off. So we yeah. just, it's a bit longer. Mm. And I'm recording one tomorrow, actually, with the author, oh, uh, Gary Lonsbach. Ah. He is with great. The boy from the Mish. Boy from the Mish. He was our first podcast guest. Oh, that yes, yeah, and I'm yeah, yeah. You've got lucky. Yvette is the she's your publicist. Publicist, yes, yeah, yeah she's lovely. 
and she's yeah she's new for me I haven't I, last year we had Tina so mm-hmm. um but yeah it'd be great to have Gary on and I'll then I feel like I'll be that's part of my emerging is to get back into the Oz chats because I've yep. been a bit and I want to support people with books coming out this year it wasn't yeah. an idea that I would only do it when I had a book like yeah. I never yeah. thought that I just yes. couldn't do the bit where I spoke to people yeah. for a while so but I'm going to get back into that and then on Friday night I'll be going to see Tabitha Bird's book launch <gasps> for fantastic the yes emporium of of imagination of which imagination is... which I read a draft an early very oh, early very first good. chapter for yes um for my reading group as Tabitha's in my reading group so I'm really excited to go and actually oh. that's an in-person life yeah I've got to get back into because I've got events this year and I need to remember what it means to get dressed Yes, I've still got my slippers on, but yes. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> oh, you don't even want to know. There's leggings and socks and one sock on, one sock off. And Yeah, no, know. I wore a big coat last night. It was easy. I, I, I'll admit I took off my tracky pants and wore jeans, but that was the first time. Oh, well, that's just, a bit posh. That's a bit posh. Yeah. yeah. Well, I was giving posh. out wine. It was at Holgate's Brewery. So, you know, I was fantastic. See, I can't decide whether to drive or not because... Yeah. I don't I mean, know if it's a good one. idea if I get myself a bit lagged up at an event because I might well, not leave. Well, I'm if you're like, I'm just going to sleep in the stacks. <laughs> <laughs> I would have had to sleep around the vats and they were still brewing, so that would have been very noisy. Yeah, it, it, it was a great smell. place, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, this will be, I'll be an avid, which is oh. just your regular. Regular? Okay. It's interesting, amazing. isn't it? So um, having I've been to launches at readings in the city. I ended up having a launch at a little pub that I used for some of my other fundraising stuff for women who care. And they were fantastic. And that was just wonderful. I had a dragon cake just to make it oh. jealous because I know, yeah, I like dragons. <laughs> and then That's I've been so to, to some in, in halls and schools and things which with local people. And it's just, I love seeing the look on the author's face when they tell people about their story. It yeah. is just amazing. Yeah. I always have a pause because I think to myself, how much do you want to know? Because I could go on for, well, as you know, today, I'm yes. sorry, no. I could go on forever. Yes. And in any tangent, like there's like yeah. a million yeah. stories in every direction. Yes. So I always pause and think to myself, careful, Anna, what is it they really want right now? <laughs> Don't launch off. And um, yeah. so I, I think I'm nailing a, a little bit better now, like what people are after, but probably not. It works for me. It works for me. I'm happy just having a chat. Our interviews are always very, very casual. In fact, I also recorded a, a chat with Tabitha and it was oh. on those really stormy days and I, I think they were having a bit of weather problems up there so we, we tried to keep it a bit short. But that book, oh. beautiful. She has, her writing is luminous. It's just yeah. lovely. Well, after reading, and I don't have my copy yet because I want to get it there and get it signed. I've waited. Uh, I've got um, mine. I have to get out of the library. <laughs> So, I, yeah, I've got to get it. I'm going to get it on the day and I'm yep. going to love reading it thinking I had a hand, not a very big hand, but yeah. I had a hand uh, and that she doesn't really need much help. Yeah. Um, yeah, and my reading's way behind as well. So I've got to catch up on because when I'm writing, I can't read. So I've got like a few months of things to catch up on. Mm. What do you read? What are your favourites? Well, at the moment I read very much in my own genre. Mm-hmm. So I tend to choose, um, so like Gary's book or anything, obviously the K has written and I really love the but I like anything by Bren McDibble you know yes. or Kelly Black my very my normal go-to for in life would have been my fantasy yeah um series long fantasy series but I haven't yeah. actually done that for a really long time 
other than that though I really like kind of postmodern fiction or poetry I read a lot of poetry mm-hmm. and short novella work mm-hmm. at the moment but that's to do with my attention span being terrible and some neurological issues that are making it really difficult in a sl- sort of dyslexic way for mm-hmm. me to read so issues I've always had like that which are ADHD and dyslexia are about a 50% overlap mm-hmm. um, but we never were diagnosed as I think it's like what they call disco dyslexia where you everything dances a lot right. on the page and so I find it quite the first bit of reading really difficult I'm a really reluctant reader but that's also because I read really deeply and I get really deeply affected by it and so I have mm-hmm. to put a lot of books down if I know that it will trigger mm-hmm. a trauma response or whatever but I I'm pretty cluey at figuring out which ones are going to do that now. But, yeah, so I really love magical realist writing, like mm-hmm. really like old-fashioned, like Kafka and Peter Carey sort of style mm-hmm. or, yeah, Moonlight on the Avenue of Faith. And um, and I like like Asphyxia's one. I really liked the graphic novella. I've not really read many. Right. But her um, future girl, just she's deaf and she writes a deaf own voices diary entry style book but every page is illustrated like mm. beautifully illustrated mm. and that's an amazing I actually haven't quite finished it but it's I love it like physically it's got this really tactile the actual book has like a canvas feel on the outside mm, and every lovely. page is so such high quality mm. um so yeah obviously everything's a pretty sensory experience I'm still reading snow as well mm-hmm. um and I'm still <laughs> A lot of books kind of on the go all at the that's, same time. I'm glad to hear you admit that. I usually have about five, so that's great. Yeah. <laughs> I never used to. It's new. And yep. I think it's because now when something comes out, I want to know straight away. So yes. I'll read like the first bit to get yep. a feel. Mm. But then I realise, oops, I didn't fi- finish that one. And then I go back and yeah. but I have to be careful because I take voices on. So if I read something when I'm writing, I will yes. just mimic. Right. Uh, and I yep. can't do that because then it won't be me. Yeah. So I have to kind of have an emptiness before I can let your voice um, come yeah, yeah yeah and audiobooks are quite like going yep. backwards and and hearing some that I never read um like Alice Pong I read she wrote the I can't remember the name of that one right now Lucinda oh oh anyway uh, so I've listened to and Melina Marchetta and all of those on audiobook have been really good to listen to um to try and catch up on some I missed out on when I was a young adult because I didn't mm-hmm. read much young adult fiction mm-hmm. yeah that That's was good. like the longest answer to a small no, question. No, it's good because Sorry. you're like, yeah, you, you're a reader. That's good. Tell me, who would you get if you could to read the audiobook of Peter? Oh. If you could get anyone in the world, who would it be? It would be, it would be, oh, my goodness, <laughs> I can't even. You know, it would be, and I'm just trying to think of her name now, she was in Drama Queens and it's with Michelle Law and her name's obviously gone out of my head because that's what always happens to me. And she's got like short red. She also was in um, Santa Clarita Diet. And so if I Google. She's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Santa. <gasps> this is terrible of me. Santa what? Di- Santa Clarita Diet. Santa Clarita Diet. Diet. Yeah. And she's Comedy the teenage. Scene. She's the girl in that. She's like the most like me that I see like on TV I think if someone was but that's me and I know but she she's such a good a- actress she'd be able to do so not do Barrymore Liv Hewson yeah Liv Hewson so she sorry that I played, forgot her name I'm bad with names that's all right she played Abby Diamond okay yeah and I think she could do a really good job of 
making having that Australian young voice. Yeah. But I think she's got such depth in everything that she's done that she would maybe I just like her. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, that'd be great. <laughs> I can't imagine now. I can't imagine oh. having yeah, there's someone read Peter Layer out. That would be amazing. That would that would be brilliant. And thinking about talking to somebody the other day, no, so I read something the other day and also talking to Kevin Clare, who talked about a lot of millennials read his stories, but in grabs. And then yeah. the article I read was that you really need to write these days in 20-minute scenes as yeah. opposed to the longer epic fantasies, you know, the mm. you know, that we would have been used to as as kids. So Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, well, that's like a long sonic ink, isn't it? Yeah. You just have to spread the three minute, the four minutes that we do, make them yeah. into twenty, and yeah, and that's how long you've got to grab, to grab someone. Yeah. <sighs> I never realised one thing I did learn, and I have mm. learned since writing from the first book, is that everything that comes after the pub, like minute you publish the book or whatever the review process, so much is done on the first two, two chapters, one, yeah. two, maybe three. Right. Because you can't talk about anything else either. Yeah. It's a spoiler. Uh, yes. And so all your interviews are based on those first couple of chapters as well. I didn't kind right. of put that together, okay. I think. Like yeah. I knew that they were important to get a contract. Yes. But I didn't know that they would be important forevermore. And that's why they're important. The editors need to pitch using those. And yeah. then reviewers yeah. may only read a couple. Yeah. Or, and then it's all you're allowed to talk about. Mm. Whoa. Yeah, that's pressure. Yeah. I'll say. Mm. So I need to get that opening line just <gasps> perfect. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> no pressure. No pressure at all. Okay. How are we going? Have I covered everything? Uh, as an advocate for the neurodivergent community, you are doing a brilliant job. Oh, thank you. That's really lovely to hear. I don't feel like I do a lot. Being yourself and being honest and open about the things that a part of your day and the things yeah. that you struggle with and the things that you're successful with makes neurodivergence just a part of everybody's life. I hope so. Because yeah. I do put a lot of garbage up on Twitter, I tell you. And I'm pretty <laughs> open about the the troubles and the mistakes because yeah. I think hiding and as a mum you'll know if yes. people never speak of the troubles you go through yeah. or the things yeah. you find hard, they become hidden and when they're hidden they're so powerful they have yes. like 10 times more power mm. the more we just outwardly process which is my yes. my jam and it's like out <laughs> everything get it out uh, uh you know burdens shared and all that it's yeah. so much it's so much easier every day knowing that there are people there to catch you or to just sympathize and acknowledge that's yeah. it, just to be seen i think isn't it yeah. be seen and heard yeah yeah. yeah. Tell me, Anna, what's next for you? What is the rest of 2021 hold? I think I would be editing the rest of Tearing Myself Together. Yep. I have my next novel. I mean, I have some others, but I think they've t the other one I've got was too old in its age bracket. So mm -hmm. I'll just leave that one there, which I wrote and submitted at the same time as Tearing Myself Together. And I said, do you want to just choose? Because mm -hmm. I didn't know which was better. Yep. And so there's that one there ready if it's ever it comes up. Um, but I have another one planned and it is based on an esports team because when you get random passions, you should try and figure out what you're going to do with them. And it's yes. going to be so cool. It's like, yeah, young adults who think they're going to make it big, but something goes entirely wrong. Yeah. 
Um, and I just have this, this beginning and end scene that keep coming into my head and I just need to hear um, how that's going to pan out. And then I'll, but I, I'm going to spend a lot of time percolating that one before I sit down and write it in a mad fury because I need mm-hmm. my life to be in the right place where I can focus on it and not have yeah. other demands. So I will try and get that one down so it's mm-hmm. ready before tearing myself comes together, comes out, I think, because then again I'll feel like I've got something ready to go uh, when, because it's quite exhausting, that process, the the releasing yes um, launching process yeah is yeah. difficult and I think if I feel like I've yeah plus I'll just write stuff because you can't not no, really that's it. and doing the sonic ink <laughs> is good because it's that I'm practicing yeah. I feel like I'm, I'm practicing skills and how to um so that hopefully I can offer something slightly different whether or not they'll ever take my other stories maybe oh I've got a picture book yeah <gasps> I've got a picture book that I've not I don't know how to pitch it. I think I need to lean on my picture book friends. Yes. Someone's quite different. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But I've nailed like the story. I feel like I finally, that took years. God, far out there, huh? Such few words makes it even more difficult. Every single word is like, I keep it to a knot. (laughs) It's like the number of pages for me, it's like it's always going to be too many or too few. And I didn't, I hadn't figured out how to nail such a, such a, message in you know you've got to be so clear what you do wow yes all all of my hats are off yes all power to picture book writers yeah you do an amazing job I don't know how you do it and so I'm if I can figure out how to actually put that forward to Danielle hey that'd be a good thing to do maybe Mm -hmm. I should do that this week Mm -hmm. thanks for reminding me no worries look Mm -hmm. out Danielle it's on its way (laughs) I'll write that on my hand yeah (laughs) <laughs> PB. <laughs> All right, there Definitely. we go. There it is. Anna Waitley, where can people find you online? Everywhere. Everywhere. She's I'm on everywhere. Twitter <laughs> at Anna Waitley. And I'm on Instagram at Anna Waitley Writer. There's probably an underscore in there. And I'm on YouTube as either Anna Waitley or Wild Things WT or Wild Things. That's my gaming name. I don't know how I got in really early with, I've played Minecraft for over 10 years. So I've got like the username that no one can get. There's no numbers, nothing. It's like yeah. just wild things. <laughs> and um, and yeah, so I, and on my gaming servers, if anyone is gaming, I'm wild things WT on the American server and just wild things, I think on the Oceania server and on Twitch, wild things WT. Um, but it'll come up with Anna Whaley as well. So, and I think all the links are on my link tree. Yes. Uh, link yes, from my Twitter website. and Instagram. And Discord. And so you can find me on there too if you want to ring me and chat because Discord's super fun. I've learned that. Mom, it's a whole new world. It is a Discord. whole new world. I know there was one of the guys on Twitter who is an Australian writer, also a gamer, said he was going to do an Australian Discord with the writers. And, of course, you know, yeah. old people like me, luckily I did know because my who, son uses oh. Discord. But a few people were saying, oh, no, who, it's, it's, it's a really you, great. Yeah, tell me who that is. Um, yeah, you can tell me later. I'll tell you later. Yeah. I should join in on that one because I'm on Definitely. an ADHD one, but it's so furious I can't do it. It's too many people and too many yeah. topics and, and everything. Yeah. Um, and I'm in, on some young adult ones, some actual kids. Like I play with a lot of 13-year-old kids. Yeah. I've learned a lot. They're so hilarious yeah you know one of my best friends now is like a 19 year old in jamaica and we just mm. we talk for hours a day yeah. and he's just like telling me i'm like bruh he's like how bruh man no you, 
that's just because and he just tells me like I get such an insight into a whole other world I would never and he's going to be in my next novel I've told him but I'm very open about who I am always straight up yes because they all know that I'm so terrified that they'll think I'm like this weird dirty old woman in Australia calling them up yeah so no they know who I am and they make they make their choices It's, yeah. Very good. And your books, your books are available ebook and paperbacks and online everywhere? In Australia and New Zealand. International rights are not yet sold. Please okay. someone buy them because <sighs> it's really hard to get my book overseas. Book depository sold out. I don't know if they've got any more stock. Uh, and so and Amazon America can't have it. But Australia, you can have Kindle, I believe, right. and the electronic versions. And there are two chapters you can read for free on the Allen and Unwin website. Excellent. If anyone just wants a taster. Yes, the first and two I chapters. recommend that they do that. Read those first two chapters. It's yeah, a really fantastic. good book. It is I'm a really, really good proud book. of Peter Lyre. Yeah. Like, I, I'm recommending it to everybody. I'm saying, oh, you've got to you. read this. Send it down to my niece and said, you've got to read this. Send it oh. up to my other niece and said, you got to read this. <laughs> and I keep giving it, like, yeah. away. Like, I'm just like, however you get hold of it. Libraries yes. have got copies. Ask, yeah, ask your library Borrow. for it. That's a good thing. Yeah. You know, as long as people get a chance to read the stories they need. Yeah. And please don't hug me by yeah. Kaker. Yes. Also read that too because then you get yeah. a whole other version of yes. us. Yes. And we're releasing a newsletter <gasps> very soon that no one's allowed to know. But by the time this comes out, we might have mentioned it. it absolutely. Called The, the yeah, Overshare. The so subscribe nice. to that and then you can get a free copy of Peter Liar and please don't hug me because we're doing a competition. Yeah. I didn't plan to plug that either. <laughs> Newsletter. I love a giveaway. <laughs> now nah, that'll work because this will be a few weeks out. <laughs> Excellent. Very All good. Right. And I thank you so much for. I can I can edit that out if you don't want to tell. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm just thinking. Stop talking, Anna, because she probably needs to end the thing. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I've got my daughter visiting later this afternoon, so and we're going to be talking all things Chickabella. So. All good. I'm oh. I'm happy, which is lovely. Yeah. Oh, I'm so happy for you too. This is what a great couple of years we've had. It's been amazing. Yeah. The, the, Oz writes. Go 6 a.m. Yeah. Oz writers. Just <sighs> awesome. When I look at what everybody has done since Emily said, hey, we get together, because I was feeling very much like you, uh, her, sorry, which was the American timeline was just not quite right some fantastic authors and you know there's a couple of kiwi authors who were fantastic is this the previous hashtag because i wasn't on no this was oh. just that i was trying i was joining into there was the right fight gift club and clementine oh, fraser is a, is a kiwi author who's just released dustbound which is again amazing book oh, um yes she's yeah. lovely and she was kind of in the southern hemisphere but still those few hours out and so you'd get up and you'd want to get all excited and they're all going to bed and you think, oh, damn, I missed all those conversations. Damn, damn, damn. They were welcoming, but you kind of were on the end of stuff. Yeah. So Emily said, are you interested? I said, hell yeah. So away we went, didn't we? And that's where, and I joined in after all of that work was done. Yes. And that's back when I used to write early. In the morning. (laughs) Actually, I didn't even have Twitter when I was writing it five, from five o'clock in the morning because of Peter yep. Liar. Obviously, a lot of hours were put in for it to be written that fast. I didn't yes. have any Twitter, yep. really. I was very much a baby. Um, didn't even know the support that could have been there. Whereas it's now I spend all my time community. on Twitter instead of writing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But Me I'm too. back. I feel like I'm back. You know, Good. I had that big break where I felt yep. 
I checked in every now and then to just be like, hi, everyone. I didn't apologize. I didn't think that would be fair to everyone to apologize. So I didn't want everyone to try and make me feel better. Yeah. But I was just like, I just couldn't do it. And now I feel like I'm home and mm. the feeling of coming home to Twitter. Mm. That probably sounds really weird to other people. No, but not to me. Out, the best yeah. people in the world, they are. you guys, are yeah. just everything. So yeah. there you go. Thank there you. you go. Thanks, Anna. All right, we will wind it up now and we'll say thank you for all the time that you've given us and you can find Anna on all those places and look out for her new book, Tearing Yourself Together. Yeah. 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 Thank you so much. No worries. Bye. Bye. So what can I say, Anna, thank you so much for what was an amazing interview. And thank you, Veronica, for, you know, making the interview so fantastic. So much information, so much reason, or sort of say so many reasons to smile and such a wonderful insight into a whole wave of energy that's yes. just uh, just surging forward, really, in, in all these different aspects of creativity and mediums and wow. Yeah, so thank you so much, Anna, for being a part of the Australian Book Lovers podcast. It was an absolute honour. And Anna was one of our earlier supporters too, putting her book uh, up on the website. So, yeah, very good, very good. Well, Strumbles. I hope that, yeah, moving forward, when, when the new features do come out, which aren't too far off, then maybe, uh, who knows, we, Anna might want, to, uh, we might want to get in contact with Anna and maybe she'll want to play a part in that as well. So you never know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so. But shall we go to some quotes for Absolutely. This episode number 36. Yes. And can I start with one of my absolutely favourite people that I love to quote, which is Maya Angelou. And she's, um, as most people would know, uh, or many people would know, an American poet, a memoirist and a civil rights activist. So with seven autobiographies, three books of essays, several books of poetry and a list of plays and, yeah, lots and lots of things. So um, from Maya, words mean more than what is set down on paper. It takes the human voice to infuse them with deeper meaning. Hmm. Very yeah, interesting just, because the human voice in this instance may just mean that internal voice. Yeah, that, that's it. And I figured seeing as we've been chatting about own voices, own voices yeah, words yeah. mean more than what is set down on paper. It takes the human voice to infuse them with deeper meaning. And, yeah, it's, I just like that one. And I think you'll agree that depending on the type of book you're reading, because obviously some sentences are written as you know as they should be as part of the story, and, and they they produce information and that moves the story along. That's fantastic. That's what a great book is. But then there's some books that uh, trigger you to think a little bit more uh, because that may be their intent, and so there may be symbolism, there may be hidden symbolism within phrases or metaphors. Who, who knows? But uh, when you read those kind, you know, certain stories that have a reliance on that, then there's these sentences that you might read five times mm. mentally, and each time it will, and, until it finds a way to shine through. And then, often for me, it, it brings this whole new awareness, a whole new knowledge. Yeah, and uh, you know, which is odd because the words are just words, and the mm. sentiment in a sentence is just a sentiment. But by reading it five times, you you spin around the concept of the sentence and. Uh, so that's uh, yeah. So I think that the power is talk, speaking it in your mind or even speaking it out loud because they're not just words on paper, are they? They're they're forms of communication. Those yeah. words. Yeah, absolutely. And sometimes, of course, they're uh, 
it just reminds me of some homework that I'm doing for a course for the Australian Writers' Centre. Of course, I'm doing another course, uh, fantasy, science fiction and more. And I'll tell you how I'm going after I start that. One of the pre-reading things that we have to read is J.R.R. Tolkien on fairy stories. Mm. Now, I'll have to look up where the excerpt is from. It sounds like it was an essay that he wrote at university. Some of it is so dense in that within each sentence is a world of understanding. So when you said we have to read the sentence over, I thought, oh, yes, I've had a few of those sentences that I've had to read over and over. What is he saying there? And a couple of them I've actually read aloud to have it make sense to me. So, yeah, just really interesting. I do find it fascinating and I think there's equal weight because I've read sentences that have got four words that just get to the point that punch harder than a bullet to the stomach. And then you'll have a sentence that has 35 words in it and you have to try and navigate the rhythm, like discover the rhythm. And once yes. you discover the rhythm, yes. then the, the relationship between each word finds its place. And then once you discover the relationship between the words, then the symbolism begins to emerge and how the symbol represents or how the symbol interacts with the other symbols that have emerged. And you know that it's an in- most times there's an intention behind that cryptic writing mm. uh, to, to promote that, uh, that need to investigate how those words turn into symbols and what those symbols do to us emotionally and psychologically and perhaps spiritually and but both have the same power and that's why those the words are just yeah it's that's the amazing thing about words and amazing thing about the different uses that authors find with the words or the different techniques they might use to tell a good story because you know some authors will throw a a completely cryptic symbolic sentence followed by a three-word sentence that just goes pow (laughs) <laughs> but the power doesn't work until the other part. But the other part doesn't work without the power. And yeah, so yeah. definitely, they're definitely not just little words on paper. No, in any for any book. Speaking of words on paper, <laughs> give us now, a quote, Darren. <laughs> yes, I've got one from uh, now. This one's actually from Neil deGrasse Tyson. Right. And I thought uh, so. The subject of my two little quotes today. Uh, I just I don't know. I thought about empathy uh, because I like to think that. That's one of the things we can discover by reading books by voices that aren't necessarily, you know, something that's common to to us. So we're yep. discovering those different ways of life, those different viewpoints of reality, those different experiences that sometimes that's something books can only give because you mm. really get into the mind, you, you get into their perceptions, all those things. So humans aren't as good as we should be in our capacity to empathize with feelings and thoughts of others, be they humans or other animals on Earth. So maybe part of our formal education should be training in empathy. Imagine how different the world would be if, in fact, that were reading, writing, arithmetic and empathy. Yeah. That would be absolutely amazing. I think so, definitely. Yes, Neil deGrasse Tyson and a quietly powerful statement, I think. Yeah. Yeah, we could talk about empathy for hours and we might do that. One session. Talk about books. Yeah, empathy. So let me give you my second quote. This is an anonymous one. Be yourself. That is something that you can do better than any other. Listen to the inward voice and bravely obey that. Oh, and what bravery it takes. (laughs) It certainly does. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. There's a lot of truth in that little phrase, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. 
Oh, we're going the deep and meaningful. What's, yeah. what's your number two? I was just thinking, you know, where, <laughs> when it, that bravery that's needed to embrace yourself and to, and to be yourself. And to listen to that voice, yeah. And to listen to that voice. Um, where do you draw the energy for that bravery? Because mm. all around you there's so – I suppose there's a lot of inspiration, but there's a lot there that uh, can sort of, yeah, dampen that, that desire to be yourself because sometimes being yourself appears to be a little bit risky. Or mm. appears to maybe have negative consequences, but no, I think you have to try and be yourself. Because at yeah. the end of the day, who else are you? Exactly, and you know you are the expert at being yourself, really. So well, no, I'm still working else. out my instruction manual. I can promise you that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll admit to being who I am, but if you want to know how I operate, I'll, I, I don't know which pages to refer to just yet. Uh, maybe chapter three in the manual. Uh, there's something there about being forgetful. No. Uh, so my second quote. Um, now, it's by uh, a person called Ira Glass. Now, uh, for, forgive me, listeners, I didn't look into who this person was, but the, uh, the quote goes as follows. The story is a machine for empathy. In contrast to logical reason, a story is about emotion that gets staged over a sequence of dramatic moments. So you empathise with the characters without really thinking about it too much. It is a really powerful tool for imagining yourself in other people's situations. And mm. I think that spells it out eloquently, simply and to the point. And mm. that is, you know, that's the power of stories and the empathy that they can draw from the reader. Yeah. Yeah, nice. Nice quotes this week. Yeah, I, was, I, I thought that was nice, yeah. Yeah. What else have we got happening? Anything else to chat about? I think we've got it covered. I think for episode 36, it's been a fantastic, fun show. And it is. It's just got my brain thinking, all the, the quotes and the thinking about well, the own voices you know. and the interview with Anna. She's was just great. See, and, and here's the power of words. So just then, we both shared a moment where we were silent. Yes, but I know for me, I was caught up in a couple of those quotes and, yeah. and already I'm thinking about things. And I, and I suspect you were too. Yes, yes. However, <laughs> the first thing that popped to mind when I realised that was happening was awkward silence. <laughs> now, that's that's two words. Yes. And, but what, what they represent, yeah, maybe they represent a perception for certain mediums like a podcast or a live radio yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Um, but it's funny how a moment that is actually really beautiful where you're suddenly going, wow. Mm. But it's funny that there's the different power of two words. Yeah. Uh, awkward silence. And suddenly I felt, oh, no, got to say something. Like, no, <laughs> You've got to fill, fill that blank spot quick. Oh, no, there was one to two seconds there where we yeah. let the words just rest there just, in the ambience. Yeah. <laughs> so, See, somebody else funny. can put us on pause and, uh, yeah, that, that that's okay. Yeah. So from now on, listeners, if you ever hear me do... I'm claiming it's because I'm thinking really deep thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> the plan is now in action. In action, yeah. I don't know about that. We'll see. We yeah. will see. Well, but I think it's time for our tagline. It, look, it is. And if people did enjoy that episode, we would love to have some stars on iTunes or your favourite podcasting platform. Uh, and, you know, send us a little review or uh, an email, anything from the website. You can find us at Austra australianbooklovers.com. On Twitter, we are at Australian Books. And on Facebook and Instagram, we are at Australian Book Lovers. And, of course, all of the podcasts are also on YouTube in case people want to have a look. And I do put some of the book covers up there so you can watch those and look at the book covers while you're listening to us if you prefer to have something a little bit more visual. Yes, and 
while watching the news you might think you're either in Queensland or Victoria or Western Australia and everyone's got their own thing uh, I hope that by exploring all the beautiful stories that uh, our wonderful Australian authors are writing and to all the amazingly just awesome readers out there that are devouring all these great tales hopefully it's a moment just to reflect that uh, we are just Australian and don't let anybody get in the way of that because um, that's 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 the whole goal of you know we want to be the goal of this website is to is to celebrate Australian authors and bring our talent to the whole globe. Yeah. And the last thing we need is uh, to be separating ourselves here in our beautiful country. So, and I think readers and writers, they're at the forefront, or all artists, I think, are at the forefront of making sure that doesn't happen. So, turn off the news, read a good book, yes. and listen to a podcast. Go check out the kookaburras. Uh, look, hunt down a, a wallaby or a kangaroo. Get a good meat pie, and uh, oh, yeah, make sure it is a good one. Kangaroo, and then get a meat pie. Oh yeah, no, no I suppose that was the wrong order. <laughs> um, well, so, I, it's easy for me to say because around the corner we got lots of kangaroos, just yeah. on, even though it's the main road. But they all they all live next to the main road. So, right. Uh, if I'm going to the bakery, I said. I don't eat kangaroo. <laughs> well, yeah, a lot of people do though. It's, no, no, um, true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but, the, but the idea of seeing kangaroos didn't inspire my meat pie. But uh. <laughs> no, for, as a vegetarian, you know, that always sort of throws me out. But I should uh, say, go no. to a great bakery. Go to a great, great bakery. bakery has yes. a whole range of selections. Good old, and I think that's a pretty Aussie thing, is the oh, bakery. It is, yeah, no, it, it is meat pies, and uh, yes, meat pies, kangaroos, and Holden cars. Isn't that what it was? Football, meat pies, kangaroos, and Holden cars. That was the know, what, that was the ad. Is, the seven course meal? No, six, that was six, six pack and a pie. That just shows you how old I am. Football, <laughs> kangaroos, and old. I can't remember. It was, it was an ad in the olden days. Someone write in and tell us which ad it was, or I'll th- try and remember for next time. Okay. But enough but, faffing on about us. Yeah, and we're not going to talk about the shocking VB ads that came through the 80s and 90s that, <laughs> with a tune that's still, you know, a matter of fact, I got it now. Oh, yeah, let's, <laughs> we're moving on. We're we are moving, moving on. on. So, And we're going to say take care for now and remember. Yeah. In our own voices to read read more more Aussie Aussie books. books. Excellent. (laughs) Thank you, everyone, for joining us for episode 36, and we can't wait to uh, join you for episode 37. Take care, everybody. Bye for now. Hi, I'm Hayley Walsh, author of Making March in Crayons and Chaos, but I'm here today to share with you my review of historical fiction book titled Discerning Grace. Historical fiction is not usually a genre I tend to pick up and read, but I'm so glad I did. Discerning Grace by Emma Lombard has it all. Family drama, betrayal, adventure, camaraderie, suspense and love. What more could you want in a good book? The book is the first in the White Sails series, so you have been warned my friend, if you read this book you will be waiting eagerly for books 2 and 3. The author takes us back to London in the 1800s where we meet our protagonist. Young Grace Baxter is full of spunk and decides to flee from her lot in life after discovering her family has promised the disgusting Lord Silverton her hand in marriage. She flees disguised as a lad and subsequently finds herself being lured aboard the HMS Discerning by a charismatic recruiter named Gilly. It's the perfect disguise and she agrees as she has nothing to lose. She already has Gilly fooled, so why not? Once aboard, she meets handsome Lieutenant Seamus Fitzwilliam, who was second in command. Grace is headstrong and more than capable of keeping up with her fellow young men on the ship. Only problem is, her identity and gender are revealed when she is punished, pants down, waiting to be flogged in front of her fellow seamen. 
Seamus quickly vows to protect Grace from harm, but is she the only one who needs protecting? For lovers of adventure, romance, intrigue and period drama, this book is most definitely for you. Emma has created engaging characters, unsuspecting twists and turns, romance and heart-stopping adventure on the high seas. If you are a fan of historical fiction, I highly recommend this written, well-written sorry, and entertaining book that will have you turning the pages. The book can be found on the Australian Book Lovers website. I give it five stars. Let's meet again. When magic happens. Australian Book Lovers acknowledges First Nations peoples and recognises their continuous connection to country, community and to culture. We pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging and honour the sharing of traditional stories passed down through generations. We're committed to a safe and inclusive welcome for authors and readers of all cultures and backgrounds including people of LGBTQIA plus communities and their families.